we thought it would be better to actually address a very sensitive topic, and that is some of the challenges that we face as a Western Muslim community, and to bring in our perspectives as people who have traveled and uh, uh, inshallah have studied a little bit, and also slight differences between one side of the pond versus the other side of the pond, right? He lives on one side of the pond, Allah on the other side of the pond. So there's a small pond between us, a small body of water, and so inshallah we will manifest maybe some of the wijhat and nadar or the differences. Now, very briefly, from my humble perspective, we face a number of challenges, and I'm going to be very quick and list them. Those that are not practicing Islam versus those that are practicing Islam, we have two different sets of challenges. So what do I define as practicing Islam? Practicing Islam means that at some level, they are committed to change their lifestyle to conform with the faith. They're attempting to give up what they would like to do, their pleasures, their income, you know, whatever they find pleasure in. They give up their time for the salah. They give up things for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If there's a level of commitment, then I consider this to be, alhamdulillah, a level of practicing Islam. Then you have a lot of those who, by and large, they're not really sacrificing much. They might pray a few Jumu'ahs. They might, they're definitely going to pray Eid. They definitely, you know, uh, uh, culturally fast Ramadan. But by and large, they are far more cultural Muslims than they are actually believing Muslims. We have different segments of problems. Now, one of the problems that we preachers and teachers have is that our discourse has to be for the largest pool. And that means we have to emphasize those that are not practicing Islam to bring them closer to Islam. But in the process, we have to adopt a tone and bring about basic issues that those that are practicing Islam might find not just redundant, but perhaps overly simplistic, or perhaps even, quote-unquote, watering down the truth. And perhaps even they might have a kernel of legitimacy to what they're saying. But you see, when I give a public khutbah, when I give an audience and I speak to 10,000 people, 5,000 people, I have to look at the lowest common denominator. The goal is not perfection. The goal is where you are. By the time you finish my lecture, inshallah, you're better. You're benefiting. So for those that are not practicing Islam, there's two primary issues. Number one, that iman is weak in their hearts. And I need to strengthen that Iman. How is Iman strengthened? It is strengthened by basics of belief in Allah, reminding of the Day of Judgment, talking about the character of the Prophet This is how you strengthen Iman. You do not strengthen Iman by bringing in the laws, by bringing in the haram, by bringing in that which is going to turn them away. I'm not saying this. Our mother Aisha has said this. What did she say in Sahih Bukhari? She said, if the first revelations of the Quran were about haram and don't do this and don't drink and don't gamble and don't womanize, if the first revelations were this, the companions themselves would have said, we can't do that and they would have left. The first revelations were about increasing iman. Making Iman strong. Then when Iman was strong, when Allah said, give up alcohol, they were the ones who threw it out the window. So we have to adopt the prophetic and the Quranic methodology. Now in the process, so this is our problem for the non-practicing, is that Iman is weak. We have to address them. Within the practicing crowd, we have a whole different set of problems. Of those problems, I'll just mention two because time is limited. Number one, once you decide to really commit to Islam, the average Muslim is then overwhelmed and confused by the myriad of movements and ideologies and methodologies and differences. 
And a lot of times they become flustered. So to them I say, don't lose track of the forest because of the trees. Look at the broader picture. What the ummah has agreed upon is much, 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 much more than what it has disagreed upon. And when Allah has guided you to practice Islam, Allah's not going to misguide you in the finer details. So don't make a small thing much bigger than it is. Don't make a small difference much bigger than it is. Rather find unity. And don't worry, don't sweat the small stuff as they say in English. Find a group of scholars or ulama that your heart is content with and stick with them. And do not problematize the ummah from within. We have far bigger problems than that without. And this leads me to my final point that I'll hand it over to our sheikh. One of our problems, and I'll be very blunt here because this is a crisis we are seeing, a problem we are seeing. One of the problems within the practicing crowd, within those that are committed to the Islamic sciences, is that they find comfort in simplistic slogans. They find comfort in hardcore black and white opinions. They find comfort in, the term frankly is fundamentalism. They find comfort in hardcore ideologies because in hardcore ideologies, you empower yourself, but you have to do so by disempowering other people. And that is a problem. Do not lift yourself up by putting other people and groups down. Do not make yourself feel noble by talking trash about other Muslims. This is a really, really dangerous slippery slope. And the first group that did this were the Khawarij, the Kharijites. They thought they were better than the Sahaba. No, concentrate on your own faults. Find your own spirituality. And I say this bluntly, any movement, any sheikh, any teacher that prioritizes the faults of other Muslims and the mistakes of other groups, that is not a person who is embodying prophetic methodology. That is not a person that is following Quranic methodology. Yes, not all the groups are the same. Yes, there's a time and a place and a language and an audience to talk about that. But rather than become obsessed with the faults of others, become obsessed with your own faults. And look at the good in other people and try your best to unify the ummah. Fundamentalism appeals to those who haven't really studied Islam in depth because it provides superficial answers of extreme yes or no. But Islam is far broader than one small group. So I caution you all from these various issues. And bottom line, as Ibn Masood and others said, speak to people at their level. Because sometimes when you speak to people at a different level, you might cause them to reject what Allah and His Messenger have said. So, be strict with yourself, be lax with other people. Raise the bar in your own life and lower the bar as much as you can in the life of other Muslims. And remember the hadith of the Prophet about the Bedouin who came in and said, what is Islam? What is the bare minimum salah? What is the bare minimum zakah? And the Prophet gave him literally the bare minimum. That's your baseline. Start with that and then work on yourself to be a better person. These are some of the issues we have. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all with iman and akhlaq and taqwa and guide us and guide others to us and I'll hand it over to our dear Sheikh, Sheikh Haytham, inshallah. Inshallah. Yeah. So what, so what is the question? Sheikh, Sheikh, we want to hear you say some advice, uh, some reflections. A lecture. After your lecture, I cannot say anything. Halas. Finish. So let's just Should start the, the Q&A. Q I mean, I mean, no one perfect. I thought, no. I thought that this is just flattering. Yani. Okay, I thought that you will insist that I will say something. No. He accepted I, it. I will insist. No, 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 no. I, I wasn't given the script. It's not to do coming that. from your heart. 
Sheikh, you know what? Well, let's beg him together. Can you please give us a few minutes? We really want everyone's here. Guys, make a round of applause for Sheikh. Come on. Come on. Now I can't speak. Yeah, okay. Jazakumullah uh, khairan, brothers and sisters. It is too late. I don't know. Yeah, you guys, yani, we will pray Isha in uh, maybe the Americans. Yeah, they stay. This is your habit in America to stay very late on because Sunday. We have, we have cars. Yeah. The difference is we have cars, we drive home. So, however late it is, it's not a problem. You guys, you have to go tube, underground tube. and tube. go in, into the, yeah, the yeah. tube. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You Americans destroy everything. You destroy the environment. You destroy, yeah? okay? You don't care. That's why. Yeah. Honestly, we Americans come here to learn from you guys. Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, to be honest with you, um, I like to speak about the opportunities that we have in the West. Alhamdulillah, we have so many opportunities that we are not realizing them. And I just came from Afghanistan, maybe you have seen the news, and I, the purpose of that visit is to give support to our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, and it did the job. Yeah? And they were uh, inspired by some Muslims, some scholars, coming from where? Coming from the UK to support their brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. So um, the point is, uh, we have a lot to offer. We have so many opportunities. And let me summarize them, okay? Uh, first of all, as Muslims in the West, we have a lot of freedom, a lot of freedom to do ibadah, a lot of freedom to be active, yeah? to be active, to support other Muslims all over the world. So what I want to say is that use that freedom to improve yourself, to increase your iman, to support other Muslims all over the world. This is a very, very important message. The, the, the second thing is, uh, my dear brothers and sisters, Allah Jalla wa'ala chose the Ummah of Muhammad وسلم, to be the best of nations, to be the leaders of the entire humanity. Never, ever, never, ever look at yourself as a subjugated minority. Don't look at yourself as a subjugated minority. The minute you feel that you are defeated, the minute you will be defeated. Whenever you come to any competition, come with your head up. Come as a victorious person, you will be a victorious person. That's why in the Quran, the Quranic discourse and the whole theme of this is what? Allah Jalla never said or never addressed believers as if they are miskeen, poor people, yeah, be patient, etc. No. Even after they were defeated in the battle of Uhud, Allah Jalla says, Wala tahinu wala tahzanu wa antumul a'launa. You are superior. Because of what? Because of your iman. When the companions during the Meccan period came to the Prophet ﷺ and they said, Ya Rasulullah, look at our situation. They torture us. They beat us up. They do this and that. Yeah? And Khabbab ibn al-Arat, the way he was tortured by the disbelievers in, in Mecca. The Prophet ﷺ was sitting uh, next to Kaaba and then he moved forward to them and he said to them, as if he is saying, so what? The people before you, they were tortured more than you are tortured. And you know the hadith, 
the Prophet ﷺ said one of them is brought and he, uh, they dig uh, a hole for him and then they split him in halves and they bring the combs, uh, the, the metal combs to, to uh, uh, what is it, rip off his uh, flesh. Yeah? And then the Prophet ﷺ said that did not stop them from being firm on their deen. Then the Prophet ﷺ gave us the vision, gave the Sahaba, who are, someone might say, subjugated in Mecca, gave them the vision that Allah will establish this deen until a lady traveler travels from Hadramaut ila San'a, very long distance, she will be traveling alone. That doesn't mean that you should do that, sisters, okay? But it means that out of security, she will be traveling alone. She feels no one but Allah Jalla Ala, and she is worried about her uh, sheep uh, from the, 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 the wall. But you are so hasty. So the message is, brothers and sisters, first of all, we have so many opportunities in the West. Use these opportunities. Alhamdulillah, the brother, uh, he was telling me, Sheikh, I don't see now that our situation is better than before. I said, no, our situation in the UK in particular and in the West in general is far better than our situation 10 years ago. I said to him, look the, at the number of Huffad now. Look at the number of Masajid. Look at the number of Islamic institutions. Look now who imagines that we have Islam Channel, Iman Channel, Iqra TV, all in the, in the UK. This was not there 20 years ago, alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah Jalla Ala. Look at, mashallah, our brothers and sisters. If you go outside, you think that you are in a second Afghanistan, but you are in Londonistan, okay? So it is really amazing, overwhelming. So don't ever, my brothers and sisters, don't look at yourself as a subjugated minority. We are the leaders of the humanity, and we should look at ourselves as we have something to offer. When we have something to offer, of course, we will have so many challenges. Because the person who is leading, he will be challenged, and that is a, a normal thing to happen. Jazakumullah khairan. So the two messages, yeah, make every single opportunity. We have so many opportunities here in the UK. Second one, don't ever look, don't be inferior. Always be confident and think of yourself as a leader, as someone who can or who has a lot to offer to others. Takbir, round of applause for Sheikh Haytham, guys. Um, the first question that many people have been asking, even in the United States of America, here in England, it's one of the most uh, common challenges that we're dealing with, and I'm sure here in England they, have, they face the same challenge, is the LGBTQ discussion. And uh, a lot of people are afraid of the influence that's happening from the secular mindset that's being implanted in our children in school, and the challenges in England have, are, I see England is even ahead in these situations where the progressives are trying their best ahead. Like in, in a way that they're pushing the, that narrative stronger against the families of Islam. So we're going to look at England, how they refute it with, with their sense of academics and tolerance, so we can also benefit. So if Sheikh Yasser Qadi, uh, if you could please shed some light on that discussion. Sheikh will be after you. No, no, no. 
Okay, Jay, so I have given a number of detailed lectures about this, the history of the movement, um, the, the, the rise of this type of ideology, how it is rooted in an entire social paradigm shift for the last hundred years. Obviously, this is a very convoluted question that cannot be answered simplistically. Of course, it is haram and it is damaging, and it is something that is destructive to the ethics of our society. And unfortunately, unfortunately, many of our uh, next generation of Muslims don't even understand don't even comprehend that this is something that will quite literally destroy the family as we know it. And they might trivialize the ethical harms of this given the social rhetoric that is taking place. Now we have to navigate between the social realities that we live and our ethics and laws. So we speak at different you know, levels. Firstly, from a purely religious, purely Islamic, which is of course our ultimate paradigm. There are no two opinions that the act is immoral, the act is a great sin, a greater sin than mere zina. It is one of the major sins and it is a destructive sin. The only society that was destroyed the way that the people of Ruth were destroyed is because of this act. And Allah is very clear in the Quran. The cause for destruction was the proliferation and the publicization of this act. This is explicit in the Quran. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroyed them because of this. Now, that is clear cut. Unfortunately, in certain parts of the world, I don't think it's common in your part of the world, but frankly, in America, we do have a few people, a few masjids. I don't think you guys have this, as far as I'm aware, but you guys do. A, a mosque that is now, as far as I know, it's, yeah, it's, it happened, but then it was shut down. But unfortunately, we do have now this notion of some cler pseudo-clerics. There's no, alhamdulillah, no mainstream alim, no sheikh and graduate of an Islamic university, a madrasa, nobody has endorsed this to be legitimate, alhamdulillah. But we have some people that they are self-appointed, you know, muftis and whatnot, they have no credibility, but the media loves them. And so they're saying there are two opinions on this issue, some say this, some say that. And unfortunately, some of our youth then, you know, they, they don't understand, so they need to be taught and told. There is no controversy in this regard. Now, obviously, all of this does not translate into our interactions with the broader people. When we're living here as Muslims, right, we are commanded to treat the one who worships the idol. It is possible to treat them with kindness if they are good and kind to us. Allah says in the Quran, لَا يَنْهَاكُمُ اللَّهُ عَلَى الَّذِينَ لَمْ يُقَاتِلُكُمْ الدِّينِ وَلَمْ يُخْرِجُكُمْ مِنْ دِيَارِكُمْ أَنْ تَبَرُّوهُمْ وَتُخْسِتُوا إِلَيْهِمْ Allah is not stopping you from showing the highest level of love and compassion to those pagans who are not hating you because of your Islam. They're not trying to stop you. You can have bir, which is the highest level, and you can have qist, which is the lowest level. Qist is justice, tit for tat. You're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. Bir is the highest level, what you do to your parents, bir walidain. Allah gave the entire spectrum that you can treat them in this manner, depending on the circumstances. So, all of this does not translate into our interaction with people of any other faith community. And we are polite and kind, and we show role model akhlaq, but we do not compromise on our theology and our ethics. And every so often, we need to make it clear. For example, I'll give you an example that everybody knows. The issue of drinking alcohol. We all know that it is impermissible. We all know that it is haram. Now, Every one of your colleagues and friends that's non-Muslim goes to the pub and drinks. Does that affect, you're going to be angry at them, spit in their face, say, billah. They have that lifestyle, but they know you do not participate. 
And they also know that according to your laws, it is not allowed. You've taught them the ethics. And when they come to say, why is it not? Then you open the door, you can be more explicit. The same must go for anything that is immoral. You treat the people with kindness and compassion, but they should know if they're close colleagues and friends of yours, they should know that in your theology, your ideology, it is not allowed. And this is an immoral practice. And if they come to you for more information, you open up and you tell them with wisdom, with akhlaq, the goal is not to turn them away. The goal is to preach the truth in a wise manner that they will understand. Now, the contentious area that has gotten a lot of people, including me, into a lot of you know controversies and, my, and, and trouble and whatnot, and this is not the time to go into a lot of detail. Listen to my detailed lectures that I've given I just gave a recent talk about uh, politics between idealism and pragmatism. Listen to that. It was an interview by uh, a local British podcaster. I go into this detail here. Politics is a different field. And I am not a politician. And what politicians do is something that we can advise them. It doesn't justify. But in the end of the day, it's a whole different ballpark. This is not a justification. But dealing with politics and Muslim politicians is a much more complex issue. It's not simplistic. And I try to bring nuance to the conversation, but people want, again, that simplistic answer. Yes or no, black or white. And the world doesn't work that way. Whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not, there are politicians, there are Muslim politicians that have taken stances that are unethical, immoral, potentially kufr. The question now, what do we do with that? That is a question that has a spectrum of possible answers. Some can say we cut them off and boycott them. Cut them off, yani, metaphorically, you have to be careful in the, in the context of all of this yani, you know, PR. Cut them off metaphorically by not supporting them, by you know, um, uh, uh, saying that we should not vote for them. And that's a valid opinion. And others say, yes, this is wrong that he's done, but overall the good that this person is doing might be better than the bad. And that is also a subjective valid opinion. Who's right? Allah knows. And all, my only point is, within the political arena, listen to me carefully, do not bring in religious fanaticism. Agree to disagree. You say, this politician, I consider him to be a sellout and he's not a good for the ummah. Okay, I'm not going to oppose your opinion. But when somebody comes along and says, you know, in this issue, yeah, indeed, he is indeed wrong. But overall, he is better for the ummah. You cannot bring in the religious card and say, you're a kafir because you supported him. You're a mubtada' because you supported him. You must allow the freedom for another person to weigh the pros and cons. When I try to bring in nuance, automatically, again, the cancellation culture. And again, this is, goes back to my, my pre previous point, the appeal of fundamentalism. Right? Be careful here. Agree to disagree about political maneuvering. Don't bring in you're a bad Muslim because you don't agree with my political maneuvering. That's my main point to the Muslim community here. Again, to be very clear, any politician who utters words that are haram or kufr, that is wrong. He needs to be corrected. That is a disappointment. There is no justification for doing that. But the question is, what do you do if he's done it? And my response is, let there be a spectrum of diversity. I don't even have an opinion. That's the irony here. All I'm saying, don't bring in the religious card and understand politics is a different field than ethics. And ethics is clear-cut. Aqidah is clear-cut. Fiqh is clear-cut. And come to us for those. As for these people, and they're doing what they're doing, and they're not supposed to do that. Again, I say this explicitly. But whatever I say, they're still doing it. So now what do you do when they've done it? That's where I say, let's come together as a community, have a mature discussion. 
and agree to disagree. Some people will go here, other people will go there. In the end of the day, again, much more can be said. I hope this is a summary, inshallah. Thank and you. Sheikh, if you can... Round of applause for Asif Ali's answer. Thank you. I, I mean, because of time, I'm, I'm going to ask... I'm going to go on to the same question, but you're going to put a twist to it. Yeah. On the LGBT discussion, how do we protect our children? It's inevitable where our children are watching Disney, right? They're watching the shows, they're watching their friends, they go to school. So what is the process of not building a cocoon, like insulating the kid? We want, we, everyone can homeschool their kids. Everyone can start their kids under modest monastery programs. What is the way we can protect our children in the West, Sheikh? This is for me or for Yes, Sheikh? for you, Sheikh. Can I pass it to Sheikh? No, you can't. No. Uh, why? I'll tell you why. Yeah. The Sheikh has more children and grandchildren than me. I have no grandchildren, so you know there's a difference. So the Sheikh is more senior to me in, in, in many ways, so he has more experience than me, inshallah. Yani, you just want to say that you are younger. <laughs> and with that blue shirt, he looks 10 years younger. Yeah, okay. Age is a matter of what? Yes. Identify. You can identify. Yes. Yeah, it's not the, the number. Yeah? Okay. Um, so, do you want a short answer or a, or a long answer? At least five minutes. Five minutes is too long. Okay. But in a short answer, teach them Kitab al-Tahara. Teach your children Kitab al-Tahara. You know Kitab al-Tahara? Teach them Kitab al-Tahara. Believe me, if you teach them Kitab al-Tahara, you will protect them. It's not a big deal. Yani. Simple. Kitab al-Tahara, the book, the book of purity. The book of purity. In each book of fiqh, yeah? the book of purity. That's all. Yeah? You will be surprised. But it is in reality this. So Kitab al-Tahara is teaching us that there are private parts and those private parts they have to be treated in a particular way and Allah told you how to treat those private parts yeah you cannot do anything with the private part you cannot allow anyone to touch your private parts and those private parts yeah something nudges filthy comes out so if something nudges and filthy sorry to you yani, to okay but we have to is something filthy and yeah, nudges that comes out from those private parts. You don't put something into those private parts, otherwise you will come up with something filthy and nudges. Okay? As simple as this. Okay? So once you teach your children Kitab al-Tahara, I think this is, will be the, 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 the best uh, protection. But brothers and sisters, on, a, yani, the, on another note, uh, I think this uh, LGBTQ uh, plus, uh, what is now? LGBTQ plus, and then there is something after that. I think it is a fashion. Yeah, it is a fashion. Yeah, it will fade away after some time. Okay. And so, yeah, we need to be worried about it, but I don't think it is really a very worrying thing. Many Muslims... Because, yeah, of the sensitivity, I think they are exaggerating in terms of, uh, of its impact. And I think the non-Muslims who promote this, they are promoting it as a fashion. Because they like, yani, uh, if there is 
emptiness in their life. So any, any new trend, they will promote it for some time. After some time, they will realize that uh, it, it, it is not something uh, uh, that they should promote at least. And then there will be a reaction and they will discover that they were wrong. In the, some time ago, they promoted alcohol. Now they discover that alcohol is what? Is harmful for health, yes or no? Yeah? And many people are calling for, okay, uh, increasing the taxes on alcohol, banning alcohol, etc., etc., etc. Interest, riba. In the beginning, they were, wow, riba, those fundamental Muslims, those extreme Muslims, that they are against banking system, against uh, riba, etc. And now they realize that actually riba is harmful for what? For the economy. And so many things, so many things like this. So uh, they will discover after some time that they have chosen the wrong choice. And they were categorically wrong about that. Okay? So, but in the meantime, you or we as Muslims need to remain firm, yeah, remain firm on our religion, on the teachings of, the, of, of our religion, teach our children to be proud of who they are, teach them some basic fundamentals of Islam, yeah, and just it is a wave after some time that, will, that wave will fade away, and some of them will realize that we were the heroes. Yeah? After some time, they will discover what? That what? We are, we were, and we are the heroes because we uh, held on our fundamental principles strongly, and then they found that our principles are the best principles for the entire humanity. As simple as this. Round of applause for Sheikh Haizan, please. We have two questions that I wanted to cover, but we don't have enough time. So I'm going to ask both questions, and you could uh, choose to which questions you want to answer. How do you manage dealing with expectations of society, work, family, in-laws, all of that, and manage deen together? Like the whole, the social problems and challenges, work, education, and balance. A lot of youth have this question, balancing education, family, relationships, and also their deen sometimes gets overwhelming. And the, second, the last question for the evening is, what, is, what do you, both of you, sheikhs, shuyukh, what do you recommend in the West we should do to preserve our deen? What's the one single answer you can give the youth of England and that are hearing online uh, in, in the West, all across the world? Whatever challenges are plaguing the West are also plaguing Pakistan. You go to Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, they're listening to the same music, they have the same challenges, children are disrespectful, coming home late, they're all watching what's going on here. So what is the, what's the best way to preserve our deen and how do we balance our deen in our careers? Sheikh Yasser Qadi. The question of balancing one's priorities is the question of how to live one's life. That's what life is about. And every human being has to not just answer the question theoretically, but live it. And how you live this answer is literally how productive you will be, how great or small your legacy will be, and what you will have on the Day of Judgment. 
So this question is not a trivial question. It is the essence of life. How do you balance all of these responsibilities? Your responsibility to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, your responsibility to yourself, to your family, to your friends, to your work, all of these different responsibilities. And there is no simplistic answer to give. This is the question of life. This is the test of life. This is literally the test of life. That's exactly what we're doing here. To see the amal that all of you have done. And so I don't have a simplistic answer. All that I can advise you generically is compartmentalize your life into what you do for your Lord, what you do for your family, what you do for your work, what you do for yourself. And give each one the right that it is due without suffering the rights of others. Prioritize in accordance with the Sharia. And so make sure your rituals, for example, are there in place. Make sure what is obligatory is being done on time. Make sure you have what needs to, have, uh, what needs to happen in order to live an ethical life, a moral life. To have halal rizq, to have an income, to have a trade. Make sure you're giving rights to your family and children. And throughout all of this, the beauty of our religion, if you do all of these things for the sake of Allah, if you have the niyyah to please Allah, then in reality all of these things become an act of worship. And your compartmentalization is really only for ease of convenience. It is not actually compartmentalized in the eyes of Allah. In other words, you going to work, you playing with your children, you taking care of your family, you praying your tahajjud, all of these things will potentially earn you your reward and you will live a better life and establish a bigger legacy with one condition. And that is you are conscious of Allah. You have ihsan, the concept of Allah Azza wa is watching you. Therefore, there are logistical techniques to do as well. And I actually have an interview by um, a podcast called The Productive Muslim. Productive or the, or the Productive something. They went, I forgot the name of the, the podcast. But they went, they asked me like top five or ten tips about productivity. So I actually went over, you know, some of my own personal tips. You can find it online. How to be productive uh, in, in one's personal life. And inshallah ta'ala, there's logistical things. But most importantly, when you are sincere for the sake of Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless you in all that you do. Therefore, to answer your question, this is your test of life. And how you answer it will dictate your legacy, your deen, and your dunya. Make dua to Allah to guide you and bless you. Make dua to Allah to make things easy. And then take one responsibility after another. And continue to do so until you meet your Lord. And that is, inshallah ta'ala, the passing of the test. Round of applause for Shaykh Nasr Qadi. Thank you so much. What is the single most important, valuable thing for us to preserve our deen in the, in the West, Shaykh Haytham? Yeah, very simple, very simple. I like how you make everything so simple. Okay, one, uh, one line only. Okay, the best way to defend is to what? The best way to defend is what? Attack. Did you get that or not? It is 11 o'clock now, so that's why. Okay? The best thing to defend, to defend yourself, to defend others, is what? To attack. Yeah? So the best thing to defend your iman, yeah, is to be, to promote your iman, to give da'wah to others. Yeah? Don't look at yourself as a person who wants to defend himself as a, a subjugated person and he has to protect his deen otherwise people will 
yeah, attack him. No. Okay? Feel confident of yourself and give others da'wah. Always think of giving others da'wah, but in the right way. And this way is, first of all, practice what you preach, yeah, and continue preaching it, and this is the best way to defend yourself, okay? Don't do it just with the intention of defending yourself. Do it with the intention of what? Of promoting your belief, your Islam with others. And this is, believe me, the best way to protect your Iman and protect yourself. That's why Allah Jalla in the Quran called us the best of nations because of what? Because we enjoy the good and forbid the evil and believe in Allah Jalla This is the nature of the Muslim. The Muslim transforms realities from bad to good. The Muslim doesn't stay silent. The Muslim does not stay calm. The Muslim always is doing something positive. Once you think of yourself like this, wallah, you will see things differently and you will be a positive person, yeah? a proactive person, and influential person, and you will change wrong realities to become better realities. And the first thing is you will be able to protect your deen. Takbir, round of applause for Sheikh Haytham, guys. As we are concluding our program, we're going to have dua in one minute. I first want to recognize and appreciate all the young people who are here in this hall right now from London. Round of applause for you guys. Everybody, mashallah, so many youth here. And my, my humble advice, you know, I consider myself much younger than the Mashiach here, is that, you know, no pun intended, but they're much more knowledgeable. I, one of the advice I would say to the youth here is that your, gener your parents' generation, your grandparents' generation established schools, masajid, madaris, institutions, businesses. They laid the foundation. Now, the second generation, it takes it for granted. Oh, we have masjid in every single block. Forty years ago, you had to drive half an hour for a masjid in England. Am I correct? Oh, you know what? If I don't listen to a lecture here, Sheikh Yasser came to this weekend. Next week, someone else is coming. You have scholars coming back to back from all across Europe, Europe, all across America to your backyard. Is that, am I correct, guys? From Pakistan, from India, from America, from Saudi Arabia. You guys are so blessed. England is in a very central place in the world. Seven hours away from the United States and seven hours from, from the East. And Saudi Arabia is so close. Middle East scholars are coming here. You guys are a central hub. You guys have always been the central hub from economic perspective, from thought, theory, growth, philosophy. England has been so instrumental. The Muslim youth, I'm speaking to the second and the third generation sitting here, don't sit on the accomplishments and the accomplishments of your parents. Don't just sit on what they have done. It is your job to build a block for the next generation. Don't regress, you have to progress. Take this deen to the next level. Yes, you became hafil. You know how to recite Quran better than your grandfather or your grandmother. Yes, you know Arabic. What's next? Where are your friends? Where are the youth of London? What's going on in the future of the community? You as a single young person, brother and sister, are so impactful, so powerful. Don't just say, don't stay back and watch the wrong that's happening. Don't be stagnant. Take this deen to the next level. So the next generation can say, 
my parents did something just like today, how we take pride in our grandparents. Thank you so much. ولا تخشى من العتب وتخفي الذنب عن خلقي وتأبى في الهوى قربي فتب مما جنيت عسى تعود إلى رضا